Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville and a happy Festivus to you. Good day, tokers and tokeheads and non-toking lovers of liberty. It is Friday, December 23rd, 2016, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. Welcome to the program. I'm Radical Russ coming to you live and direct from beautiful legal potland, Oregon, where we are hanging out in Delta 9 Studios. And like the rest of the Internet, we are saddened and hopeful at the same time upon the latest breaking news. If you haven't heard yet, check your Twitter or Facebook feed. Carrie Fisher, the actress who played uh, Princess Leia in the Star Wars movies and near and dear to my heart, Jake's girlfriend in the Blues Brothers uh, had a heart attack, a massive heart attack uh, on a flight from London to L.A., and uh, she was unresponsive on the plane. EMTs doing CPR reports that she wasn't breathing for up to 10 minutes. She's uh, in critical condition, we hear, uh, according to uh, at least the Twitter reports and something I've seen off of TMZ and a couple of other outlets, uh, in critical condition and uh, thoughts well wishes, prayers going out. Uh, I saw one tweet that mentioned that Mark Hamill, who played Luke Skywalker, survived a car crash he never should have survived. Uh, Harrison Ford, who played Han Solo, survived a plane crash he never should have survived. So, universe, it is Carrie Fisher's turn. And damn it, 2016, we are not going to let you take Carrie Fisher in the same year you took Bowie and uh, Prince and so many others, so many other beloved Folks, I put a list out on my Facebook page of all the uh, the well-known celebrities and musicians who died earlier than the age of 75 just this year, and it was far too long a list. So uh, we hope for the best for Carrie Fisher. Now, coming up on today's show, all sorts of news to get to, uh, some good news coming out of our court system, and we're going to kind of take a look at college today. Uh, first of all, in reference to the courts, our guest is Dan Veets. He's uh, with Missouri Normal. Uh, he's on the Normal National Board, Normal Legal Committee, works with Show Me Cannabis, has been a longtime freedom fighter in the Show Me state. And uh, he's going to join us in our Government at Work segment to talk about a ruling that came out of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals today that has to do with college students and mandatory drug testing. So that's coming up at half past. Also on the show today, speaking of college students, we're going to talk about a story that I saw coming out of Amherst, Massachusetts, that reiterated that the University of Massachusetts Amherst will not allow legal marijuana, even if uh, the rest of the state has legalized marijuana. So that gives us a look at the uh, the laws and the uh, guidelines regarding our colleges and universities that receive federal funding. That's coming up in our Behind the Headlines segment right after the news. Also on the show in Drug War Data Mining, a report out of Forbes magazine, how the marijuana industry has raised over $1 billion in 2016. And at the end of hour one, we'll have time for our radical rant where uh, I will get a chance to give you my airing of the grievances for this 
this Festivus today. I got a lot of problems with you people. Yep, and we're going to tell you all about them. That's coming up at the end of the show. At least hour one. Stay tuned for hour two right after that. And uh, we've got more marijuana news and culture for you, plus your live calls at 650-LEGAL-MJ. But we'll start everything off with the cannabis radio news. And in the headlines today, we've got a court ruling out of Arizona on medical marijuana patients and DUI, a ruling out of Michigan on medical marijuana patients transporting their medicine, Ireland has their first medical marijuana patient. We'll tell you who. Maine cities are trying to ban marijuana before it even gets to them. And one of the cornbread mafia was caught in Canada and is going to be extradited to the United States. That's all coming up right after this break. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Earn your Ph.D. in THC monetization with CannabisRadio.com. Don't be late. The cannabis industry is growing. Business is booming. And as new opportunities arise in newly legalized states, each market is getting more competitive. Today, it takes more than just being a good grower. Do you have the resources to market and handle this ever-changing business landscape? Let Canna Management Corporation help you grow your Canna business with our vast resources and experience to make your business a fully functional service company. Financial management, HR, sales, marketing, efficiency, and more. CMC has the experience and the expertise to improve your business and help you better meet the demands of your clients and customers. Call Canna Management Corporation and let our team get you ready to grow. 415-269-8015. That's 415-269-8015. Or visit canna-management.com. Doc Rob, the concierge for better living. Cannabis is just one of the many great plants that we have on this planet called Earth that we can use consciously and intelligently to improve our well-being. Take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. Learning to live and live well is a lifelong process. This is a journey. It could be you could be 80 years old or 8 years old. You can still learn something that's going to make tomorrow a little bit healthier, a little bit easier, a little bit happier, a little bit better. The Concierge for Better Living with Doc Rob. Only on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show, where the truth about marijuana gets more than a minute to speak. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. 
This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 23rd, 2016. An Arizona court ruling says medical marijuana cardholders accused of driving under the influence have options for showing in court that there wasn't enough marijuana compound in their bodies to cause impairment. The Court of Appeals ruling Thursday vacates a man's conviction for driving while marijuana or a marijuana compound was in his body and says he was entitled to present evidence that he wasn't impaired. The ruling says defendants can do that through cross-examination of prosecution witnesses or by providing their own testimony and evidence on whether they were impaired. The ruling deals with implementation issues following a 2015 Arizona Supreme Court decision. It said cardholders don't have immunity in DUI cases, but can try to show they didn't have enough marijuana compound in their systems to be impaired. Michigan's medical marijuana law trumps another law that restricts how users can transport pot in cars, the state appeals court said, reversing the misdemeanor conviction of a man in Clinton County. Local judges around the state have made similar rulings, but the two-to-one appeals court decision is significant because it now applies statewide. Callan Latz is a registered medicinal marijuana user. He was charged in 2014 with violating a law that requires medical pot to be stored in a case in the trunk of a vehicle or in a spot that's not easily accessible. The marijuana transportation law was signed in 2012, four years after voters approved marijuana for certain illnesses. That created the conflict. Latz is, quote, immune from punishment, and quote, if he's otherwise using medical marijuana properly, judges Amy Ronane Krauss and Elizabeth Geiker wrote. A three-year-old boy with a catastrophic form of epilepsy has become the first person in Ireland to be legally allowed to use marijuana for medicinal purposes. Tristan Ford from Dunmanway, Cork County, who suffers from Dravet syndrome, has lived in Colorado in the United States for over a year with his mother, Yvonne. She decided to relocate in order to administer the medicinal marijuana to her son in a bid to help reduce the number and severity of his seizures. Tristan has been seizure-free for over three months. Yvonne K. Halen, who appeared applied to the Minister of Health, Simon Harris, for the license, said she was delighted it had been approved just days after they returned to Ireland. Towns and cities around Maine are taking a cautious approach to the new state law that legalizes marijuana and are considering moratoriums on the sale of the drug within their limits. Maine voters approved the referendum in November, and the Secretary of State's office signed off on the results Wednesday. But it could be months before the state completes the rulemaking process governing the legal cultivation and sale of marijuana. Meanwhile, the Maine Municipal Association is advising towns and cities to adopt moratoriums to prevent, quote, unwanted developments, end quote, with new marijuana business until the regulations, including local guidelines, are approved. Officials in more than 30 municipalities are at least considering local moratoriums and other measures that would ban pot sales. And at least 11 communities, including some of the state's largest cities, such as Portland, South Portland, and Bangor, have okayed six-month moratoriums on marijuana-related businesses. Authorities say a man known as the Godfather of Grass has been arrested in Canada after eight years on the run. The U.S. Marshal Service says authorities sought John Robert Johnny Boone after they seized 2,400 marijuana plants on his Kentucky farm. The agency said he was arrested Thursday when information led authorities to a small town outside of Montreal. Boone, who is about 73, spent more than a decade in federal prison after being convicted in the 1980s in what prosecutors called the largest domestic marijuana syndicate in American history. They said he had 29 farms in Minnesota, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Michigan, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas, and Wisconsin. The group became known as the Cornbread Mafia, and prosecutors said Boone was the leader. Boone is awaiting extradition to the United States. 
A Grand Junction, Colorado man has been sentenced to 10 months in jail for driving while high on marijuana and causing a fatal crash. The Daily Sentinel reports that 27-year-old Jesse Wayne McElroy was convicted of careless driving resulting in death and driving while ability impaired for the July 2015 crash that killed 60-year-old motorcyclist Gary Willis. McElroy has been ordered to serve two years of probation after his jail sentence. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, December 23, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Forwarding the cause of legalization and research of the growing cannabis industry, one podcast at a time. The Cannabis Radio Network. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. It's time for Cannabis Facts About Alzheimer's from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A new Florida study in the journal Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience found that cannabis promotes the growth of healthy new brain tissue. It can slow the effects of Alzheimer's and may, in fact, be able to halt it entirely. A long-term study by Ohio State University's Professor Gary Wink concludes that people who regularly use marijuana get Alzheimer's at a much lower rate than others. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. The world of cannabis is evolving at a frenetic pace. The Russ Belleville Show gets behind the headlines to take a deeper look at breaking news in our Cannabis Focus. Today in the Cannabis Focus, we want to talk a little bit about college uh, and the, in specific here, a note that we got from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst having to do with the legalization of marijuana. Of course, the state of Massachusetts has legalized marijuana, but that doesn't matter to the colleges and universities. Not only in Massachusetts, but the other seven states in which marijuana has been legalized. According to the report in the Amherst Bulletin, the uh, an email was sent out by the University of Massachusetts Vice Chancellor for Student Affairs and Campus Life 
saying that weed is not allowed on campus. This went out uh, Thursday afternoon, said federal laws, including the Drug-Free Schools and Communities Act and the Drug-Free Workplace Act, require recipients of federal funds to prohibit marijuana use, possession and cultivation. The email says, quote, the use, possession and cultivation of marijuana is therefore not allowed in any university housing or on any other university property. End quote. Uh, they will enforce rules prohibiting marijuana. Anyone found with it in any way will be subject to disciplinary action. They continue by saying, quote, high risk drinking marijuana and illegal drug use increase the risk of negative health consequences and undermine university goals for wellness and academic success. End quote. Now, of course, it only high high risk drinking folks go ahead and just low risk drinking is fine, but high risk drinking and marijuana and illegal drug use, that's a problem, which in the construction of that sentence means that all marijuana and illegal drug use is high risk. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter the Massachusetts legalized the 21 and older adults who are going to college and have to live in university housing are not going to be allowed to have their rights. Now, I'm the kind of person who looks shit up. So when this email said that the federal laws require that they uh, prohibit marijuana use, I looked it up. It's in the Drug-Free Schools and Community Act, and in the Appendix 2 of their Edgar Part 86 regulations, uh, there's a compliance checklist, a Part 86 compliance checklist. So this is what your college or university has to do. They have to, number one, maintain a copy of the drug prevention program. And annually, to each employee and each student, they have to give written materials that adequately describe and contain the following Standards of conduct that prohibit unlawful possession, use, or distribution of illegal drugs and alcohol on its property as part of its activities. Description of the health risks. Description of the legal sanctions under local, state, and federal law. So basically, that's telling me that if your school gets federal money, which almost all of them do, uh, your school has to ban marijuana possession, even among its 21 and older adults even in a state where it's legal. So uh, that's the uh, checklist there. Now, interestingly enough, as you look through this checklist, in their Appendix 3, they list what the federal trafficking penalties are. So this is a, a document that's, that's, that's under uh, the website higheredcompliance.org. And so your college chancellors and such are, are reading this document. This is where they're getting their information. And when they get to the federal trafficking penalties, they've got cocaine, Schedule 2, cocaine, fentanyl, heroin, LSD, methamphetamine, PCP, and you know that you can get, you know, five years, 10 years, and so forth. And then they got that kind of like cutoff graphic, you know, like the paper was ripped. Like, we're not going to show you all of it. And then it says, for the most recent and complete federal, federal trafficking penalties, visit the DEA. So you click that link and it's a dead link. It's dea.gov slash agency slash penalties dot htm. It's a dead link. But you know me, I know my way around the Google. So I actually found the page that they're looking for, which is the federal trafficking page uh, on the DEA. Interesting to note what they left out when they're providing this information to the college chancellors. They left out the part about marijuana on the uh, trafficking and manufacturing penalties for marijuana, 1,000 kilograms or more, 100 to 9.99, 50 to 99, or less than 50 kilograms of marijuana, the federal penalty is not more than five years, fine not more than a quarter million dollars, million-dollar fine if other than an individual. 
Second offense, 10 years, half a million fine, 2 million if other than an individual. That also applies to 10 kilograms or less of hashish and uh, 1 kilogram or less of hash oil on a college campus can get those kinds of federal penalties. And your mother was begging Barack to stop. And uh, what that tells us then is... um, that tells me is that they don't want to let these college people know, these college administrators know just how serious the federal penalties are for marijuana, because then they might start asking questions like, really, you want us to to ruin a kid's life? Put quarter million dollar fine on him? Hell, that's what his student loan debt's going to be. Next to THC and CBD, you can now add CBR to your cannabis vernacular. CBR as in CannabisRadio.com. Seeking a career in cannabis? Ready to become the next great bud tender? Increase your knowledge, skills, and higher ability with a Tricomb certification today. Tricomb Institute is the only cannabis education company in the world with courses that include textbooks, workbooks, and expert-approved and government-certified curriculum. Tricomb now offers these courses online. Take the courses at your own pace with 24-7 live human support from anywhere in the world. These courses are perfect for physicians, pharmacists, MMJ parents or patients, adult use customers, and most of all, aspiring bud tenders. The course includes full access to the cannabis industry's largest job board and even includes resume building help. Register for online courses with the cannabis industry's educational leader in science, education, and training. Visit TricombInstitute.com today. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Keith Strop, the founder of Normal, is here. The single most important victory will be California. We've got Steve D'Angelo. Well, the state of cannabis affairs in California is in flux. The guru of ganja, Ed Rosenthal. It's uh, better for people to be using concentrates. Weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show. Providing dictionaries to drug czars since 2009. New beginner guitars and banjos are often constructed much better than ones built before your time. Why struggle? Get a new instrument or fix the old one. The trusted professionals at the Fingerboard Extension will evaluate your instrument for free. Repairs are priced for people who work for a living. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension downtown Corvallis at 120 Northwest 2nd Street today or check out its inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. Today in the Drug War Data Mines, we take a look at finance and capital in the marijuana industry. And this is brought to us by the magazine Forbes uh, online at Forbes.com, where they note a story that marijuana industry raises over $1 billion in 2016. 
This is according to Viridian Capital Advisors, and this uh, billion-dollar mark was just crossed in a uh, deal that was made last week by Organic Graham Holdings Incorporated. Uh, they raised $40 million Canadian. That works out to about $30 million uh, U.S., this is going to be for the build-out and expansion of uh, extract and derivative facilities. Uh, there's another one million Canadian private placement with Tetra Biopharma Inc. and some other uh, tests going on. The uh, Viridian founding partner Scott Griper says that uh, the one billion was made mostly in North America. And the Canadian market can show us what may happen here for the U.S. market since there's a federally legal medical marijuana in Canada. Uh, I think we're just scratching the surface as to how much money is going to be raised in this market. But one big concern for many people in the marijuana sphere has to do with the election of Donald Trump and his appointment so far of what appears to be an all-star cabinet of drug warriors from Attorney General Jeff Sessions, who famously said good people don't smoke marijuana and there need to be adults in Washington to express that marijuana is not a good thing, uh, to the appointment of Health and Human Services uh, Department uh, to Tom Price, uh, one of the uh, opponents of marijuana in the House that would oversee Medicare and Medicaid and FDA and NIDA. And just now we are receiving some uh, word that Florida's attorney general, Pam Bondi, who very famously uh, stood against Florida's medical marijuana amendment the first time around uh, when it was defeated uh, with uh, 58 percent of the vote because you had to have 60. Uh, she um, has mostly been cited for her attempt to crack down on pill mills and prescription drugs, but uh, is also a... Uh, a big opponent of marijuana. She wrote uh, back in uh, 2013, I think it was, quote, the sponsor has obscured the most fundamental issue underlying its proposal, the nature and scope of marijuana use the amendment would allow. Any physician could approve marijuana for seemingly any reason to seemingly any person of any age, including those without any debilitating disease. So long as a physician held the opinion that the drug use would likely outweigh the risks, Florida would be powerless to stop it, end quote. Uh, this is, of course, uh, uh, counter to what we find in the uh, in the data these days that the states that have access to medical marijuana see a decrease in their opioid prescriptions, in their opiate overdoses, something you'd think an attorney general trying to crack down on pill mills would be for. But uh, that is the latest. She's part of the uh, Trump transition team, and she is now uh, being floated as one of the names for uh for the drug czar position, not the worst pick out of Florida that I could make for the drug czar position, <laughs> considering that's where Kevin Sabat is from. So uh, maybe I should just count my blessings. But in the Forbes piece, they they say that the investment community is really not shaken by the appointment of Trump or Sessions or or any of the rest of these uh, of these people. Uh, according to um, Griper, he says. Uh, uh, investors aren't too worried about marijuana-hating Attorney General nominee Jeff Sessions, saying, quote, We have not seen a slowdown in deal flow since Sessions' name came up, and we have not seen a slowdown in investing, end quote. And this is something that uh, uh, is surprising to me. I, I would think there would be a, a more hesitant wait-and-see sort of approach. But on the other hand, given that we are on the, the beginning of what's going to be a huge 
billion, multi-billion dollar industry, people wanting to get in on the ground floor and become the next Bill Gates or the next uh, Steve Jobs or Zuckerberg or Bezos of this big economy uh, are willing to take that risk, are willing to uh, put the money out there, even fearing that there will be a backlash from the incoming Trump administration. Now, we have yet to see whether there will be a backlash or not. Many people in my social media feeds counsel me on this, saying Trump is pro-business and marijuana is too popular and there's too much money at stake and the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. Legalization's unstoppable. And I sure hope they're right. I hope these big money investors are right. I hope my friends with the optimistic outlook are correct as well. I can't help but think that the pendulum is bound to swing backwards. I can't help but think that as Donald Trump has made promises to go after immigrants and Muslims and others and is unable to actually follow through on those things due to practical and political realities, that he may want to turn to another scapegoat, may want to uh, find another target for his ire and his followers ire, another target to blame for the problems in the world. I am of the opinion that the pendulum can swing back and that it is swinging back. So let's hope that these investors with Forbes are much more, uh, have better forecasting skills than I do. Obviously, they got more money. The uh, billion-dollar industry, some of the biggest deals they mention, uh, GW Pharmaceuticals, we've talked about them in the past, the British uh, pharmaceutical giant behind Sativex and Epidiolex and other cannabis-derived pharmaceuticals. I've always believed that that is the final direction for medical marijuana, the concept of medical marijuana, the political tactic of medical marijuana just leads right to the bottom line of the pharmaceutical corporations. They'll be more than willing to turn that into a medicine they can make a profit from and then turn over the dirty plant-using potheads to law enforcement. Big deal with them. Uh, they did uh, two $250 million uh, fundraising bids in 2016. Stay tuned. When we come back, we've got Missouri civil rights attorney Dan Veets on the line to talk about the drug testing decision for colleges out of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Keep your cannabis cravings under control. Feed your mind with CannabisRadio.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is him, think that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah? Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. 
call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Reforming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our Government at Work. Today in the Government at Work segment, we are speaking with Dan Veets. He's an attorney in Missouri, works with Show Me Cannabis, and is on the National Normal Legal Committee, as well as the National Normal Board. And Dan, do we have you on the line? Yes, sir. Oh, glad to hear from you. Glad to hear from you as well. I got the note today about the decision out of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, and it concerns a, a college there in your neck of the woods. Give our listeners a little bit yes. of the background uh, before we discuss what was appealed. Sure. A couple of years ago, uh, a small publicly funded, and that's an important point, it's a public, not a private institution, uh, uh, trade school, technical school, uh, really a fairly sophisticated technical school, uh, declared all of a sudden that because a lot of the employers who would be hiring their students would be drug testing them, they somehow thought they needed to begin drug testing them. And that was really the essence of their justification for this. And anybody who's followed this issue knows that that flies in the face of the precedence that the U.S. Supreme Court and other courts below it have said that students, college-age students, have the same rights as other adults do. And unlike high school students, who they certainly set a lower standard for, uh, college-age students have never been allowed to be subjected to random drug testing by the government just to be a student. And that's what Lintech was actually claiming they could do. And what was really frightening was that the panel, the the original 8 U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals panel that heard the appeal by the college when the trial court here in Jefferson City, Missouri, said, no, you can't do that, um, they appealed, and the original Eighth Circuit panel said you can. And frankly, it was one of the most poorly written and poorly reasoned decisions I've ever seen. And that's the opinion of other attorneys who, who read it. I mean, it, it was just, it was just appalling. And uh, I, I am so happy to see that the the court in bonk, as they say in Latin, the the whole court, all of the judges on the on the court took the unusual move of accepting a review of their own panel's earlier decision and reversed their own panel. And so, of course, the original panel is still whining and dissenting, but the majority said what we all believed the law was to begin with, which is you can't randomly test college students at a public university just because they want to be a student at a tax-supported institution. And, and this so, is uh, in regard to... And so know, that's the essence of their, and, and their reasoning being that, well, when they get out of school, they're going to be drug tested anyway. But is, is that really the case? Like every, uh, every vocation no. they can study there? No, 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 you're right. Not at all. 
Not at all. Drug testing is far from universal. And from what I've read, a lot of companies have dropped it because it does not pay for itself. They find so few positive results. There are so few instances where it makes any difference uh, that smart companies have stopped wasting their money on it. Now, what you and I know and many people in the movement know is that drug testing has absolutely nothing to do with either safety or productivity. And that's because, first off, the drug by far the most commonly detected is marijuana. It's by far the most commonly used prohibited substance, and it uniquely, uh, its inactive byproducts can be detected for 30 days or more after its last use. So it's not showing the employer that the person tested is under the influence. It never shows that. It's not like a breath test for alcohol. So all it shows is, yeah, this guy might have smoked a joint a month ago. That doesn't prove the accident he had today had anything to do with marijuana. Um, and, and that's how many companies do it. They'll drug test someone who's in an accident or um, other certain circumstances arise and they, and they input that test. But, but fewer and fewer companies are doing it because it just doesn't pay its way. Now, this decision still leaves intact their ability to drug test for cause, though. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, and depending on, you know, the devil's in the details, how you define for cause, what I believe, and I have not read every word of this decision, I've only skimmed it, but what they seem to be allowing, and not unexpectedly, is so-called safety-sensitive uh, uh, people, people in safety-sensitive programs to be drug-tested. And the original district trial court, I think, you know, knew the, frankly, I think we have a very good judge here, but she knew that the uh, that the, the higher courts are going to allow the testing in uh, programs, for instance, where you're running heavy machinery or you're you're wiring up uh, uh, electrical devices. Uh, so the court allowed some t- drug testing in those programs, but certainly not universal testing. Now, the uh, listeners in our live chat room are asking whether or not this is something that is or could be appealed, and if so, and it rose to the exactly. federal Supreme Court level, what does an incoming Trump justice yes. uh, mean to this decision? Yes. That is exactly the right question, and that is exactly the question everyone involved and observing this case is asking. Um, because you're right, it's not necessarily the final word. And I know that uh, the ACLU attorney in St. Louis, who is the lead counsel here. I want to give him full credit, ACLU of Missouri, and a great civil rights lawyer, Anthony Robert. He is very concerned also about what the U.S. Supreme Court might do. And, you know, the lawyers for Lintech know what they're doing, too, and they know that they might have a shot at getting review and at reversing this decision. But I doubt it. You know, frankly, for what my opinion's worth, perhaps very little, but, but I doubt <laughs> it. I think that this principle is pretty well established now. You know, the court started dealing with drug testing questions back in about 1986. There were two cases simultaneously taken up, Skinner and Von Robb, and they dealt with treasury employees who carry guns and engineers who who, who run trains. <laughs> and they said in those cases, they were going to allow uh, suspicionless drug testing. Um, but they drew a line, and they said, we're not going to allow you to drug test everybody. Now, I litigated a case on behalf of Missouri Normal here 10 years ago. The Missouri uh, federal court um, accepted a case in which we challenged the Missouri Department of Mental Health's declaration that they were going to randomly drug test every single employee. And we went to the same federal court, and the same federal judge that ruled in this case said, I'm going to have to let you do drug testing if people are engaged in certain high-risk 
activities. Um, passing out drugs, for instance, was one of them. You know, if you're passing out big trays full of prescription drugs every day, she said, well, maybe those people can be tested. Uh, but I'm not sure. Or that made any logical sense, but she recognized again, frankly, I think, that the Eighth Circuit was going to allow some testing to take place. But they did not allow the vast majority of Department of Mental Health employees to be uh, tested without suspicion, without reason. And, and that's so, and that's a that's a so, that's a level yeah. that exists for even uh, minors in public school, if I'm not mistaken. I know here in Oregon, the Vernonia case well, was one of them. Yes, that's right. That is an important case on that issue. Court has a different standard. You know, you go back to this famous Des Moines versus Tinker versus Des Moines School District case uh, was the one where the U.S. Supreme Court said back in about 1969 that students do not shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate. Well, that sounds great, and that's been quoted in a lot of decisions since then, but the court has demonstrated precisely the opposite. <laughs> as, to, <laughs> as to grade school and high school students, they, by God, have ruled they do shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gate, and they've allowed drug testing, for instance, of any high school student involved in any extracurricular activity, and not just football and baseball, but chess club and debate club, and, and even if you just want to park a car on campus, they, they, have, they have managed to persuade the courts that that somehow justifies sacrificing a student's right to be free of unreasonable searches at the high school level, mm. but not adults, not I, I, college students and other adults. I recall a story I reported on, I think perhaps from Pennsylvania, where the uh, parents were suing because their middle school daughter, age 11, was being drug tested to play viola in the orchestra. Oh, God. <laughs> that's the kind God, of... I hope, I hope they won. That's the kind of stuff we're talking case, about I mean, here. Uh, now, uh, mm-hmm. uh, it is absurd. Now, Dan, on this uh, on this uh, Missouri case, uh, since it's talking, since it's an Eighth Circuit case, does that only apply to the mm-hmm. states in that jurisdiction? It is a, I think, what they would call a direct binding precedent within this jurisdiction, which is eight states in the upper Midwest. You know, it's a big chunk of the country, but it's not necessarily a binding precedent in the other federal appellate court jurisdictions. But the U.S. Supreme Court is the next court above this one. That is the only higher court. That is the only further review that this decision could receive. Is there indication we'll from, the, whether, from the other side that they're going to pursue that? Not yet, but we'll know shortly. And I won't be surprised if they try, because they've invested a lot of money in litigating this silly case. I don't know whose money they're spending here. Probably the taxpayers, ultimately. But, uh, yeah, they've invested a lot of money already in pushing for this, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to push it further. All right. Well, we'll keep our eye on Missouri. Also, we're looking forward to uh, developments for the next electoral cycle in in maybe 30 seconds or so. Can you give us any forecasts, any ways people can help Missouri? Yes, yes. I can forecast that we will have medical marijuana and a good medical marijuana initiative on the ballot here in November of 2018. And anyone who'd like to learn more and help us and keep updated on this campaign should go to newapproachmissouri.org or newapproachmissouri.com and sign up there. Um, By all means, uh, make a donation if you can. Our end-of-the-year financial reports will reflect any donation made by December 31, and we need to show that we have strong support uh, early in the campaign. We expect to start gathering signatures in January. 
All right. Looking forward to it. We'll keep our eye on it and give you all the help we can. Dan Veets with uh, Missouri Thanks, Normal. Sir. Show me cannabis. Thank you so much. And uh, stay tuned, You're folks. You're welcome, sir. Merry Christmas. The airing of the grievances is next. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. From dabs to chivas, sativas to indicas, we roll out a whole concentrate of fresh new content every week. It's like going from the greenhouse to the dispensary. CannabisRadio.com Mindful of sustainable practices and limiting their environmental footprint, Sansal hemp is always grown outdoors, as nature intended. By starting with uniform genetic profiles, Sansal ensures the plant will maintain its optimal performance and yield consistently throughout its life cycle. It is through innovative processes that Sansal is able to achieve pure whole hemp extracts and meet industry requirements and the level of quality desired by many of their customers. Healthy plants, healthy people. SansalCBD.com. Improve your lifestyle naturally. Mention the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on CannabisRadio.com. And don't try to debate me on something. Motherfucker, I can't do many things well. But words are my shit. The Stoner Jesus Show. Live Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Or find the Stoner Jesus Show podcast on demand at CannabisRadio.com and StonerJesus.net. Peace, bitches. The Russ Belleville Show. We're as much like Cheech and Chong as ordinary Americans are like the Three Stooges. Hey, Mo! The International Cannabis Business Conference comes to San Francisco, California on February 16th and 17th, 2017. The ICBC San Francisco, Northern California's first business-to-business event since the recent historic election, will bring together top state regulators and industry leaders to discuss permits, business models, and opportunities within the newly enacted laws and landscape. Of course, the ICBC also famously offers some of the best cannabis industry networking, leveraging our worldwide following to connect wholesalers, brands, distributors, investors, and strategic partners. And don't forget to come early for our VIP reception and stay late for our legendary after party. Join us for the longest continuously running cannabis business conference in California at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square, the one and only International Cannabis Business Conference. Visit internationalcbc.com for tickets today. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it. and didn't inhale. And one major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. All right, everybody. Time for the Radical Rant. And given that today is December 23rd, that means it is Festivus. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. No? 
You're going to hear about it. That's right. Being a person of reason, I do not subscribe to any of the mainstream religions. Thus, when this time of year rolls around, I'm celebrating a Festivus for the rest of us. And as is the tradition for Festivus, we begin today's celebration with the airing of the grievances. And uh, thanks, Senator Rand Paul, for stealing my thunder. <laughs> but while I'm excited as hell about legalization for one-fifth of the nation's populations, I still got a lot of problems with you people. Let's start with Maine's governor, Paul LePage. Where do you start with this guy? This What a fully loaded bag of douche this guy is. You recall that uh, he's the one that uh, had uh, this to say about his state's heroin epidemic. And so what? some of the things that we have done. Number one, I got a bill into the legislature right now to take the traffickers. Now, the traffickers, these are people that take drugs. These are guys that are named D-Money, Smoothie, Shifty, uh, these type of guys that come from Connecticut, New York. They come up here, they sell their heroin, then they go back home. Incidentally, half the time they impregnate a young white girl before they leave, which is a real sad thing because then we have another issue that we've got to deal with down the road. We're going to make them very severe felonies, number one. Yeah, D-Money, Shifty, Smoothie, coming up to impregnate the white women. That's uh, Maine's governor, Paul LePage. And, uh, of course, uh, this ideological descendant of Harry J. Anslinger, he now thinks that the uh, voters of the Pine Tree State didn't know what they were doing when they legalized marijuana. Had no idea what they were doing. Clueless. Made a big, big mistake. Uh, here's what he had to say during the campaign about legalizing marijuana. Question one is not just bad for Maine. It can be deadly. Marijuana kills people on the highways. Traffic deaths in Colorado have increased dramatically. Marijuana is three times stronger than it was in the 1980s. People addicted to marijuana are three times more likely to be addicted to heroin. Heroin is already killing seven Mainers a week. We do not need to legalize another drug that could lead to more deaths. Yeah, that's uh, levels in Maine's governor, Paul LePage, prior to uh, question one being passed. And in a radio interview on Tuesday, this uh, Republican governor from Maine explained that the federal government, quote, reissued their form for concealed weapons. And they make it very clear on the form in bold that it is illegal to possess and smoke marijuana, end quote. Uh, LePage says he needs legal advice before he can sign off on legalization because he swore an oath to uphold his states and the federal constitution. He worries that approving state legalization will put him afoul of the federal constitution leading to his impeachment. Never mind that when it comes to the voters approving initiatives, LePage says, quote, this is a recommendation to the legislature of what the people are feeling, you know. If you read the Constitution, the legislature can just ignore it, or they can modify it, or they can work with it, end quote. Let's see uh, who else we got some problems with. I got a lot of problems with you people. Well, it's a bipartisan year for Festivus because I got a lot of problems with Democratic Assemblyman from Oakland, Rob Bonta, for his proposal to ban marijuana advertising from all roadside billboards in California. While California's Prop 64 banned billboard advertising of marijuana, it only did so on the interstate freeways that cross state lines. That was a nod to the federal coal memo that insists that marijuana commerce remain in state. 
Well, that leaves tens of thousands of miles of California state highways and interstate loops that are wholly within the Golden State where marijuana may be advertised. But not if Bonta has his way. He said, quote, We feel that all highways, and not just ones which cross state lines, are inappropriate venues for cannabis advertising. He is saying this uh, as he introduced the bill, which is coincidentally named Assembly Bill 64, continuing with, quote, particularly as Proposition 64 required an adult audience for advertisements other than billboards, end quote. Yes, yes, we wouldn't want the marijuana billboards getting in the way of the innocent children's view of the Coors Light billboards, the Miller Light billboards, the Dos Equis billboards, the Corona billboards, the Miller Genuine Draft billboards, the Budweiser billboards, the Bud Light billboards, the Miller Light billboards, the Sky Vodka billboards, the Jack Daniels billboard. <laughs> Should we continue here? Oh, and let's not even forget, uh, we don't want to obstruct their view of the pharmaceutical billboards or the strip club billboards either would we now we got to make sure that the children's pristine young innocent eyes are shielded from the marijuana billboards that's it you ever notice how these guys all these uh democratic liberal nanny state justice warrior save the planet people are wanting to pick so much on marijuana but not so much on alcohol why is that? Gee, if we're really concerned about the kids seeing a legal adult drug being advertised on the roadside, why are we not going after the Coors Light Silver Bullet ads? Why are we allowing the University of California system to have its Pac-12 football teams directly associated with the marketing of Coors Light? Why is, why is that not a problem? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because... Those are big industries that make big donations to assemblymen's reelection campaigns, aren't they? Ah. I got a lot of problems with you people. Ah, another grievance for today on Festivus, the Oregon Health Authority. It's been a frustrating year for Oregon's marijuana retailers and producers. On the recreational side, Measure 91 passed in 2014 and provided that the Oregon Liquor Control Commission would regulate and manage the production, testing, and distribution of cannabis products. But on the medical side, the Oregon Health Authority, or OHA, handles those duties. And from the beginning, OHA has issued contradictory and shifting standards for cannabis commerce. They mandated extreme testing regulations before ensuring that enough testing labs statewide could meet those requirements. They set deadlines and then moved them. They made standards for packaging and labeling, and then they changed them. They issued and reissued differing testing standards. Man, I got to tell you, it's a strange flip of the script when the medical marijuana people are seeing the Liquor Commission as the competent cannabis regulatory agency compared to the Health Authority. I got a lot of problems with you people. Ah, uh, yes. And we leave the best for last. <laughs> My biggest grievance of 2016 goes to Kevin P. Saunders. Now, there are so many, so many of the stoners against legalization from the 2016 campaign that I could have chosen from. I could have gone with Sean Kiernan, the leader of that uh, veterans organization who continues to insult and mock my six years of National Guard service, who uh, approved of and laughed at and shared memes that demeaned in a sexist and frankly 
offensive manner, myself and a nun. Could have been that guy, but no, no, didn't go with him. I could have gone. I could have gone with Letitia Pepper, that kooky attorney who invents this ludicrous legalese to frighten tokers into voting for their own continued criminality. You remember her, the uh, the lady who was uh, fond of saying the N-word, saying that us uh, cannabis consumers were treated that way, etc. I, I could that, That's a good candidate, i got to admit. I could have picked uh, D- Dragonfly de la Luz, you know, the, the pot princess who only shows up around election time to pen some viral anti-legalization piece online. But for sheer chutzpah, this time I had to go with Kevin P. Saunders, the erstwhile mayoral candidate in Marina, California, the owner of the Coasterdam Dispensary, and a lifetime Starbucks reject. That's right, folks. Starbucks banned Kevin P. Saunders from all its worldwide locations for life. <laughs> what you got to do to get yourself banned from Starbucks from life? But uh, there you go. So what had happened? Why he raised my ire this year? Beyond Going above and beyond the typical stoner against legalization. Chutzpah. Is it's bad enough that he's a medical marijuana profiteer who was trying to keep non-medical marijuana prisoners in cages as to maintain this medical monopoly and the price support that it maintains. But then Saunders was caught faking a quote from Bernie Sanders to make it appear that the Vermont Senator opposed California's prop 64. When in fact, Bernie Sanders had stated numerous times that he would vote for it. And when called out on this faked quote online, Saunders on Facebook dismissed the lie writing quote, it's a wobbler at best, end quote. No, no, when you fake a quote from someone, that's not a wobbler, that's a lie. Uh, he also excused it by saying it was, quote, political funny season, end quote, because it was you know, toward the end of the election, and so I guess it's okay to lie at that point. And then when prodded online, Saunders dropped the bombshell, writing, quote, I get paid to win, and that's what I'm doing. The DAs, chiefs, and powers that be have put me out front and are paying well during the last push. End quote. A medical marijuana profiteer admitted he took money from law enforcement to lobby to keep healthy people in cages over their marijuana use. I believe it is now time for the Festivus Feats of Strength. I got a lot of problems with you people. Happy Festivus. A Festivus for the rest of us. All right. Hey, happy Festivus, everyone. Happy Festivus to you, too. Happy Festivus, everyone. (laughs) And that's my airing of the grievances. You can find that. In my High Times Radical Rant column today, hightimes.com, you'll find that. I think they've got it posted. Maybe it's not up yet, but we'll see. And, of course, uh, I don't uh, make statements unless I've got links to them. You can find the links to all of these statements about the uh, airing of the grievances in that piece. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Thanks for joining us here. Stay tuned. Hour 2 is coming up next. Toker Talk Radio. Phone lines are open at 650-LEGAL-MJ if you got something to say. We're going to talk about that Pam Bondi as drugs are possibility and also a look at the pot industry's energy appetite as we legalize more and more states. 
For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Delta 9 Studios, I'm Radical Russ. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down so bad. It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tell. I inhale. Uh, frequently. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the Snoopy Snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't change it. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to the weekend, everyone. Time for Toker Talk Radio. It's Friday. It's Festivus. It's 4 o'clock. And we got a pipe load of weed to smoke. Hope you do, too. Happy holidays to you, whichever one you're celebrating. I'm uh, enjoying my Festivus, had my airing of the grievances, uh, at least four grievances, but I'm sure I'll think of more. (laughs) This year winds down. It's kind of a crappy year. Can we agree that 2016 has sucked the proverbial whatever it is that uh, you think most designates suckage? (laughs) You fill in the blank. Uh, you can, uh, <laughs> you can, you fill in the blank as to what, uh, is the worst suckage. But I tell you, having this, uh, Carrie Fisher news come out today, she, she suffered a massive heart attack on a, a flight from London to LA. Uh, as last reports I've read, she's in critical condition. This was over an hour or two ago. And, uh, a year that started on January 10th with David Bowie's death, uh, and then and that would end with a Carrie Fisher. I can't even say it. I can't even imagine or think it happening. I do not want that. It's uh, it's so sad. And, and I went through the list today 
there's a great, uh, well, I shouldn't say it's a great list, but there's a list out there of the celebrity deaths from 2016. Because a lot of people have been saying, has this been, you know, seems like there's more this year than usual. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think more people have passed on, uh, you know, in the celebrity realm. I just think it's more tragic and younger deaths that we've seen this year than usual. Like, I have this theory, right? I don't know if it's a theory. It's a, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, I feel sad. Uh, an equation. Let's call it an equation. I have this equation. Uh, when I'm when I learn of someone's death, I am as sad as 100 minus their age. So think about that, right? Like like Abe Vigoda died, and he was like 97. Right. So, yeah, I'm sad that Abe Vigoda died, but like I'm just three percent sad. <laughs> you know, it's like I lived to be 97. That's a hell of a life. Right. But like when a two year old dies, holy shit, you're just crestfallen. Right. That's like 98 percent sad. That's almost as fully sad as you can be. You know, two years old, far too young. Right. So when we get these deaths that are happening, to people in their 50s and their 60s, well, that's yeah, I'm pretty sad about that. It also works in the negative numbers, by the way. Someone dies at like age 105. I'm like 5% happy. I'm like, well, wow, the guy made it to 105. Wow, that's that's amazing. Good for him. And, you know, glad he had a good long life. <laughs> so anyway, here's a list. Uh, for me, if you're dying under the age of 75, it's too soon. I think people should live to be longer than 75 years old. And if it's before that, it's too soon. So here's a list from 2016 of the people who died younger than the age of 75. David Bowie, Alan Rickman, Glenn Fry, Paul Kantner, Maurice White, Vanity, Keith Emerson, Fife Dog, Gary Shandling, Prince, Lonnie Mack, Muhammad Ali, Bernie Worrell, Pete Burns, Leon Russell, Gwen Eiffel, Ron Glass, Greg Lake, Alan Thicke, and Craig Sager all died younger than the age of 75. That's just, uh, that's too young. And some of them, way too young. You know, Pete Burns, 57. Prince, 57. Fife Dog was only 45, younger than me. That's just too young. Especially, you know, I'm approaching 49 now. I'll be seven squared next month. These these ages seem much, much younger to me the older I get. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about the pot industry and its energy appetite right after the break. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Legal to listen to all over the world. We're just not sure about France. CannabisRadio.com. Play as Ted Growing, expelled botany sophomore and the biggest grower in town, only on Weed Firm Replanted. Available on the App Store and Google Play. It's a lot of work being the biggest grower in town. Maintaining a room full of plants while dealing with a slew of eccentric customers, from a hardcore partier to the curious neighbor next door. Is anybody home? Help me expand my bud business by unlocking new strains, customizing my grow room, and completing challenges that you can't get enough of. Grow your empire so big you can see it from space. Low on funds? Don't worry. Weed Firm Replanted is free to download. Download Weed Firm Replanted for free on the App Store and Google Play today. Get growing, Mr. Growing. CannabisRadio.com keeps you in the know Monday through Friday on air and on demand with Cannabis Radio News. 
presented with the definitive worldwide news source, the Associated Press. Stay informed with exclusive news on all things cannabis. Cannabis Radio News, live weeknights at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, during the Russ Belville Show, or download the daily podcast exclusively on CannabisRadio.com, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. When breaking news happens in the cannabis industry, Cannabis Radio News delivers the details first. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. At Herbie's Cannabis Seeds, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best quality seeds from the world's most respected cannabis seed producers, all at the lowest online prices. You can find Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. All cannabis seeds are sold as souvenirs and as a means of preserving cannabis genetics. Herbie's Seeds in no way intends to condone, promote, or incite the use of illegal or controlled substances. We strongly urge all prospective customers to check their national laws prior to placing an order. Herbie's Seeds at Herbie'sHeadShop.com. Proud sponsors of The Russ Belville Show and 420 Radio. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. (coughs) Or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. We have a breaking update on the Carrie Fisher story coming from the Associated Press. Carrie Fisher is in stable condition after suffering a medical emergency aboard a flight Friday. Her brother, Todd Fisher, told the Associated Press that she was, quote, out of emergency, end quote, and stabilized at a Los Angeles hospital Friday afternoon. He said he could not discuss any other details about what happened. Star Wars star suffered medical trouble during a flight from London and was treated by paramedics immediately upon landing in Los Angeles around noon Friday, according to reports citing anonymous sources. Celebrity website TMZ, which first reported the incident, said anonymous sources told them the actress suffered a heart attack. Fisher's publicists and representatives for her mother, Debbie Reynolds, and her daughter, Billy Lord, did not immediately return calls from the AP. So good news coming out of Los Angeles. It seems that... uh, Maybe the uh, reports of heart attack were uh, overblown, or maybe she just has recovered well, but it sounds like Carrie Fisher's in stable condition and uh, may be able to escape 2016. What a terrible year. How is it that how is it that guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan and you know Jimi Hendrix and these guys, these great talents, these beloved people die so young? And yet all four members of Motley Crue are still alive. Why, how, how does this work, right? I mean, Trump and Cheney escaped from 2016. They're both old, fat, 70-year-old guys with, you know, clogged arteries and no exercise. <laughs> how do these guys live so long? What the hell is Donald Rumsfeld? Is he still alive? Is Rumsfeld still alive? I don't even know if he is. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. How do these guys manage to escape one of the worst years here. Yeah, 84 years old. Rumsfeld's still alive. 84. Why? Why? Why must we lose Gene Wilder at 83, but Donald Rumsfeld is still roaming the planet? Uh, Kathy in the chat room does make a good point. Keith Richards is still alive. I, I don't know. I don't know about Keith Richards, though. Keith Richards might be just the exception that proves the rule. <laughs> 
Keith Richards is like his own exceptional case. <laughs> How does he still walk the planet? Oh my goodness. All right. Um, also another story I just wanted to, um, I wanted to, uh, put out there. Um, Donald Trump's inauguration is coming up, right? Excuse me. I just <clears throat> threw up my mouth a little. Uh, Donald Trump's uh, inauguration is coming up on J- January 20th. And the reports are that he's having difficulty getting people to perform at this uh, at this event. None of the D.C. area marching band, high school marching bands, have applied to go. Last I read, right? Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Rather not. And the latest I hear is that the Rockettes, the Radio City Rockettes, are going to be dancing at the inauguration. Now, the first uh, reports I heard on this, uh, tweets that I saw, was that this was mandatory. It was in their contract. They had to go uh, perform, and then some of the dancers were upset. They didn't, you know, they were a little upset at, you know, having to perform at a uh, a serial sexual assaulter's uh, inauguration. So, um, yeah, they had a problem with it. But reports now coming out, the... uh, the Madison Square Garden Company says that no dancers are being compelled to attend the event. The company in a statement said, quote, for a rocket to be considered for an event, they must voluntarily sign up and are never told they have to perform at a particular event, including the inaugural. It is always their choice. In fact, for the incoming inauguration, we had more rockets requests to participate than we have slots available. <sighs> okay, <laughs> so go ahead and uh, perform. Uh, at the Trump inauguration, another group performing at the Trump inauguration, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Yeah, the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> going to be uh, going to be singing there for the inauguration of Mr. Grab him by the pussy. Yeah. OK, Mormons, way to go on that one. Good choice. Keep the moral high ground, why don't you? All right. Uh, Let me go to some marijuana stories here because (laughs) I stayed too long on the Trump and it'll ruin my Festivus. We don't want that to happen. There's a story out in greenbiz.com. Can we master the pot industry's energy appetite? And it brings up the point that California, Massachusetts, Nevada, and Maine all legalized marijuana. Colorado, Washington, Oregon, Alaska, D.C. already have legalized marijuana. And this means what they say is a huge new demand for electricity. And over 90% of legal marijuana is grown indoors, where, of course, you have to have the lighting and the climate control and all of that. And they say grow facilities have energy densities. And that's a term referring to, you know, per square foot of business, how much energy are you using? So they're saying they have energy densities similar to those of data centers. Huge server farms, right? In 2015, Colorado's marijuana industry consumed 300 gigawatt hours of electricity, including over 2% of Denver's total demand. The Pacific Northwest is expected to see marijuana load on par with electrical vehicle load over the next 20 years. California and the other new states may see several terawatt hours of new demand comparable to the entire demand for Washington, D.C. or Rhode Island just to grow weed. Now, the first thing I know a lot of you are thinking are, well, yeah, duh, because you force us to grow it inside. Colorado, they force them to grow it inside. Let these people grow outside. Let them take advantage of the sun. Let them use greenhouses. Let's reduce that energy footprint. And yeah, we could. 
That's going to help a lot. We can do that, certainly. But it's never going to eliminate the indoor grow market. For one, people, especially in this legalized world, there's going to be that high-end demand, that demand for the high-end super boutique bud. And no matter how great an outdoor grower you are, you don't have as much control over the plant as you do growing indoors. So there's always going to be a bunch of indoor warehouse grows growing this high-end bud. We might be able to reduce some of the demand, uh, energy demand, at least at the mid-grade or the low end with some sun-grown cannabis. But there's always going to be people growing indoors commercially, and you got to consider the people growing indoors recreationally, personally, other than the state of uh, Washington, of course. But all the other states, you can grow four plants indoors or six plants indoors or whatever. And those laws mandate that you grow it indoors in an enclosed, locked uh, facility, like in your house, in a closet or something, or in your garage. They don't want a whole bunch of backyard pot gardens popping up. Well, those people are going to use lights then, and they're going to use uh, air conditioning and heating and, and, and venting, and that's going to take energy. So there's, it's just inevitable that we're going to be using far more energy as we legalize marijuana more. It's just a matter of how much of that is, is, is unnecessary because of our restrictions, because of our regulations. Let's change our regulations. Let's allow people to grow their weed outside, for God's sake. Allow the companies that want to, to grow their weed outside. Don't mandate it. Some of these are going to, you know, so, like I said, some are going to want the boutique grows and keep the high-end, you know, super crystally buds. The energy costs for growers are between 20 to 50% of their operating costs. We've helped reduce these through things like LEDs, getting rid of you know, high-pressure sodium and metal halide. Uh, but the people that want to make the change to this, right? If you already got a business set up with all the high-end you know, HPS lights or metal halide lights, and you want to do a wholesale conversion to LED, you can't get the kind of loans that banks and the federal government back up as far as, you know, energy efficiency stuff. This is another thing that because of the federal illegality of cannabis, a bunch of these programs from Department of Energy and, and housing and these programs that are designed to get homeowners to adopt more energy friendly practices and, and equipment can't be utilized because cannabis is illegal. So they're stuck doing it the old inefficient way. They can't get the loan they need. You know, banks are refusing to loan to cannabis businesses and such. Can't get the loan they need to convert. They can't get the federal assistance they would get if they were any other industry. And we've just got a situation now where this is going to be a big concern. Fortunately, marijuana may just solve this for us. We've reported on the uh, scientists who've discovered a way to make hemp fibers, industrial hemp fibers, that can replace the function of graphene in mass storage batteries for one one thousandth of the cost. Now, one of the big problems we've got with wind and solar and tidal type of technologies, renewable energy technologies, solar and so forth, is that our electrical grid requires a constant flow of power. It's that alternating current, right? But the sun don't shine all the time and the wind don't blow all the time. And so some of these 
alternative fuel sources are impractical for our type of grid because they don't continuously provide power. Well, the way we solve that is when it is sunny, when the wind is blowing, we store some of that power in batteries. And then when it gets cloudy or still, we can pump some of the battery power out and keep that continuous flow going. Well, the batteries cost too much. By the time you spend the money on the batteries, you've lost the benefit, most of the benefit of the solar or the wind or whatever. But not if you can make that battery for one one thousandth of the cost. Now you got all the energy storage you need and these technologies become more viable, especially the solar is becoming more viable. Solar cells are becoming much less expensive. You're really clouding the energy in this room right now. (laughs) Cloudy. I get it. That's funny. Uh, It's 420 here in the Pacific time zone on Festivus. Uh, Thank you for being here on the show. Thanks for supporting us. We appreciate it very much. For the rest of us. That's right. We're going to take a break and celebrate Festivus with the smoking of the trees. They never got to that in the Seinfeld episode. <laughs> Being green is good. Growing green is good. Making green is great. CannabisRadio.com Cannabis legalization efforts are increasing competition for businesses wanting to make it big. In this complex and fast-changing environment, only the savviest will survive. What are you going to do to stay ahead of the game? Enter New Frontier's free platform, Equio, the premier business intelligence, visualization, and marketing platform for the cannabis industry. With Equio, you can stay on top of your store sales, trends, and competition, Better understand your seasonality and broader sales trends? Identify and compare your top products and categories and cross-buying opportunities. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. That's E-Q-U-I-O to sign up now. The power of real-time big data is now in your hands. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks are far less than those posed by legal drugs. Get the latest updates on The Russ Belleville Show by following Radical Russ on Twitter and liking The Russ Belleville Show on Facebook. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The law office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. Most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know, because they've got a town called Argusville. What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. 
and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody. It's 23 after. It's Festivus, and we are so glad you could be here with us for our holiday celebration. Hey! Happy Festivus, everyone! That's great to have you here. We were talking about drug testing uh, earlier today with our guest, Dan Veets from Missouri. A uh, decision came out of the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals that uh, shot down suspicionless blanket drug testing for all incoming college students at a college that receives that's a public college that receives federal funds. And this is uh, this is like the only line so far that it seems the drug testing uh, industry hasn't crept into is just absolute suspicionless random unannounced sort of testing for all students. They managed to keep it for workplace, right? You want to get a job, they can mandate that you have to pee in a cup. You have to surrender your piss to determine whether you're qualified to, you know, work the the shop floor or whatever. But uh when it comes to schools, they've managed to uphold at least some sliver of the 4th amendment. That says if you're going to school, the mere fact that you're going to school isn't enough to mandate that you have a drug test. But the problem that we have is that they've drawn this line, especially when it comes to the public schools and the, and the, and the kids. They've drawn this line in such a way that the uh, kids could just only go to school and not do anything else. In order to uh, in their class, if they want to avoid drug testing. So this originally started, of course, the whole drug testing thing started in the 80s, like most of our horrific public policies did. And uh, this this was the you know, when the the train car conductor on the in the northeastern corridor wrecked his train and killed some people and they found out he had pot in his system. He'd been smoking weed. And so this kind of ushered in under the Reagan administration, this uh, mandatory federal drug testing for transportation workers. This is under Department of Transportation. If you're driving a plane or a train or a ferry or a bus or anything like that, anything where you got to get a DOT sort of certification, they mandated that you would have to take drug tests. Now, we know drug tests are inaccurate and ineffective because the drugs that you really care about, the Coke, the heroin, the methamphetamine, the PCP, all that kind of stuff. The stuff that if you're high on it, we got a big problem. Uh, those drugs flush out of your system really quickly. You'd have to be like currently high on those drugs to test positive. If you use those drugs the previous night at a party, it's likely that you could test negative but not marijuana. Marijuana is going to stay in your system for at least three days up to a week in rare cases, a month or longer after the last time you smoked it. So all we have with drug testing, all we're doing with drug testing is finding out who smokes pot. That's all a drug test tells you a metabolite test. All it's telling you when you're pissing in that cup for a job is that you're a pot smoker and that status alone is legally enough to discriminate against you. The fact that you had smoked pot. 
Not that you're currently smoking pot, not that you're high at the moment, but the fact that you had smoked pot, that's enough to discriminate against you and remains a reason to discriminate against you, even in the states where that activity is completely legal. Now, I'm told by some that there are companies that discriminate against tobacco smokers. They won't hire people if they smoke cigarettes. I think that's wrong, too. I like the law they've got in Colorado, the lawful off-duty statute law, the lawful off-duties activities statute, I should say, uh, that says you can't be discriminated for taking part in activities that are legal. We can't use the fact that you joined the bowling team or the KKK or Mensa or, you know, some furry group or whatever. As long as it's legal, it's perfectly okay. And we can't discriminate against you because of that. Now, unfortunately, that law didn't help the medical marijuana patients in Colorado because the courts ruled that lawful off-duties, off-duty activities, uh, lawful also included federal law, which I don't understand because the lawful off-duty statute is a state law. So shouldn't it only apply to state laws? But, you know, they'll always find a way to uh, bring that Schedule 1 federal designation in if they can to invalidate our rights. But that's the way it should be. To me, we have this freedom of religion. We have the First Amendment in this country. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. You're free to have a religion. You're free to not have a religion. Government's got to be neutral. But what is that? What's the spirit of that? What does that really mean? Right? What is a religion. Well, a religion is a belief system in cosmology, how you are created, origins, meaning. It's a set of rules and traditions. It's a set of actions and observances and holidays and and a bunch of stuff that make up what we consider to be religion. What our what our founding fathers would have considered religion to be, right? Now, to me, it's beyond government's purview to try to determine what religion is. And in fact, the government agrees with me on this point. When you look at like the IRS tax code, when it comes to religion, they don't actually define it. They don't get around to actually defining church or religion. The feds want to stay away from that little mess. Now, they got some tests. They got some procedures and stuff to evaluate things, but they don't. Basically, they say things are religions until we can say they're not. They don't go about proactively defining what makes a religion. It's a really weird area of the law. You got to check it out sometime. But the the spirit of this freedom of religion to me is really deeper than just religion. Because what is religion? To someone who believes religion, it is everything. It's their eternal life. It's the entire universe. It's the whole purpose for existence. In that perspective, in that context, then religion is bigger than life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's everything. It includes all those things. So if we have this freedom of religion and freedom to act upon this religion, so long as we don't harm others, does that not extend to our freedom to believe what we want and act how we want so it does not harm others? Why must it have this label religion when the label religion hasn't actually been defined? 
to me, what it means to be an American, what it means to believe in this Constitution and the rights that are laid out in the Bill of Rights, what it means is in a free society, things are legal and people have rights unless they're not legal or unless those rights have been assigned to the state or the feds. That's in the Ninth Amendment. The enumeration in this Constitution of certain rights is not meant to deny or disparage others retained by the people. That's the essence to me of what this experiment is all about, is that we are free and we need no authority to determine that we're free. free. It's self-evident. It is bestowed upon us by our creator or by creation, however you interpret that. So when it comes to this drug testing thing, when businesses are allowed to discriminate against us by the content of our urine, they're infringing upon our rights. We're allowing businesses to infringe upon our first amendment right to religion, which is really the right to conscience. It's the right to how you think. It's the right to how you see the world and believe and act and your, your sacraments and your sacrifices and your, and your, and your holidays and traditions and, culture and all of that. It's our hemp heritage, people. Drug testing flies in the face of that. Imagine getting into a time machine and trying to explain to James Madison that we needed to collect a cup of his piss to determine whether or not he'd be good enough to be president. Imagine that conversation. (laughs) Well, Mr. Madison, if we if we detect that there's metabolites of hemp in your urine, why that shows that you've been consuming it and therefore are ineligible for respect and adulation, <laughs> ineligible for employment and a, a, a decent shot in society. Imagine that conversation. Imagine trying to make that point. But the drug testing has been, it started with the, the, uh, the train car conductors and the pilots And everybody accepted that. Oh, well, yeah, of course, because why they're in safety sensitive positions without any evidence that the use of marijuana in and of itself is going to make someone a less safe train conductor or pilot. Sure, if they're high at the time, but I'm talking the results of a THC assay in their piss tells us nothing. All it does is discriminate against good people who happen to consume cannabis. But we accepted that. Oh, because it's the, it's the forklifts and the, or no, I mean, it was the trains and it's the planes. And we can accept that because hundreds of people's lives are in the balance. The hundreds of people on the plane or the hundreds of people on the train or the dozens of people on the bus. Wow. We can't, or, or, or the people on the freeway, the truckers, we can't have the truckers running into dozens of people on the freeway. But of course, it didn't stay there, did it? No, no. The next place it came to was the workplace. Where a lot of these bosses were like, well, gee whiz, forklift's about as dangerous as a truck, isn't it? And then it became, oh, well, now we can test for the safety-sensitive positions. Any place where anybody could get harmed from heavy machinery, well, we can drug test there, too. But it didn't stay there, did it? No. After that, it just became... Drug testing for any job. Didn't matter what kind of job. You could just be drug tested for it because, you know, productivity and workplace safety and a bunch of excuses that, again, were never backed up by any evidence or science. 
uh, some people at this point will try to throw out the Firestone study. I don't even have the time <laughs> to give you the debunk of that one. The too long didn't read version is it's bullshit. It was made up, <laughs> but um, that's that's where it, that's where it stays in the employment world. And the excuse there is always, well, that's not government banning uh, abrogating your Fourth Amendment rights. That's a voluntary contract between you and the employer. You don't have to give up your piss. Nobody is forcing you to a search and seizure. Right. Like we can just exist without employment. Like we're all just naturally rich and don't have to work. But when it comes to the schools, in the schools, we had a similar sort of creeping erosion of our rights. We'll talk about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to the Russ Belville Show live from Delta 9 Studios in beautiful legal potland, Oregon. Happy Festivus, everyone. We're going to take a break. And we'll come back with more Festivus celebration. Stick around. Happy Festivus! The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Cannabis use isn't the only thing growing. So are we. Grow with us. CannabisRadio.com. Everyone deserves the medicine they need. Aaron's premium CBD essentials and CBD nectar products are made from plant-based organic ingredients grown and processed in the United States. Our unique formula of coconut oil and coconut water infused with CBD oil is ideal for all skin types and provides maximum relief. Aaron's Essentials was formulated by 9-11 first responder and stage four cancer survivor Aaron Sieber. As a cannabis connoisseur, Aaron began making and using his own lab-tested medicinal cannabis products to help relieve the side effects of his rigorous cancer treatments. Visit www.canosaurbrands.com for more information on Aaron's Essentials and learn how you can pay it forward. That's C-A-N-N-A-I-S-S-E-U-R brands.com. I'm Radical Russ from the Russ Belleville Show. Good day, everybody. Radical Russ here in Aspen, Colorado at the Alaska Northwest Cannabis Classic at the 26th Annual Boston Freedom Rally at the High Times Cannabis Cup Northern California. Day one of Canacon in Seattle, Washington. It's the Russ Belleville Show, the NPR of POT, weekdays live at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific, exclusively on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show, annoying Kevin Sabat since 2012. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome.
and blue blushing gurgen fafnir blatten schnurm norben you're tuned into the rush belleville show the voice of the marijuana nation only on cannabisradio.com all right, we were talking about student drug testing before the break, actually drug testing in general. This on the heels of a decision by the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals that uh, Lynn Technical College in Missouri and its policy of drug testing anybody who applies to go to school there is unconstitutional. And uh, basically the court has said that you just uh, can't blanket test everybody because going to school is not a probable cause to believe that someone is engaged in a drug activity. And there's no safety concerns for most students, so it's just uh, not a valid application of uh, their powers. Now, this Drug testing at the school level has gone through a number of court decisions as well to get to where we're at right now. In the first uh, iteration, the schools wanted to drug test kids that were playing football, kids that were involved in impact sports. The rationale there was, well, we don't want the kids flying around on the football field getting injured because they're all high. And that was accepted. That was a a policy that was uh, found to be constitutional. Somewhat along the same lines as the uh, safety-sensitive workers in that, uh, well, we don't have a probable cause to believe that they're actually committing a crime. However, the the society's need to protect them, to protect each other, protect ourselves, uh, outweighs that. There's a safety issue involved here. So we can waive a little bit of that Fourth Amendment and require the seizure of people's pee if they're underage going to public school and want to play football. Well, later that got expanded. Not just football, not just basketball or volleyball or track or anything like that, but we'll expand it to all the sports. Golf, you're playing golf, we're going to drug test you there too. And then they said, well, that's okay too. Then they expanded a little more and said, well, let's not, let's not just do golf. Let's not just do sports. What about band? All these kids in the marching band, you know, they could trip and, uh, you know, land on a tuba. Uh, how about the cheerleaders? They're doing all those basket tosses and stuff. Oh, I can't have them be high. What about those kids on the chess club? They might abuse Adderall to get a competitive advantage. Who knows what their excuses are? But time and time again, the courts have said, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. Take the pee from the kids. It's even gotten to the point where school districts that allow older teens, you know, in some of these states that have graduated driver's licenses, you can drive at age 16. And so they allow these high school kids to, you know, park their cars on campus. But in order to get the parking pass, guess what? Got to pass a drug test. So the only realm in the student's life where the courts have decided they can't be drug tested for is solely going to school, just going to school and taking classes. They can't be in any extracurricular activities, can't drive their car to school without having to surrender some of their Fourth Amendment rights. Well, there's some good news in the news on this particular issue, and it comes out of the state of Wisconsin and Governor Scott Walker. So right now, my head is about to explode. (laughs) Like, I have to say something good about Scott Walker. Holy shit. Uh, But uh, the story out of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is that uh, Governor Scott Walker and the Assembly Speaker 
are panning the idea of mandating drug testing for high school athletes, leaving little chance for a quick passage of the concept next year. Panning the concept of student drug testing. And one of the quotes here from this assembly member, uh, Representative Joel Cleefish uh, said, quote, having children urinate in a cup is still a fairly abhorrent idea. End quote. No, no shit. Really? I think it was George Carlin who once said, uh, if the uh, drug test wasn't pee in a cup, but shit in a bag, would people still think it as useful? Would it still be as popular? Well, that concept is at play in the story because one of the Republican lawmakers there in that state has suggested that we do something different instead. And that is go with the hair testing. You know, it's abhorrent to take the, the pee, so let's go with the hair. Folks, it's, it's not the substance you're taking from me and how dirty or clean or gross or not gross that substance is that's the problem, that's abhorrent. It's the surrendering of Fourth Amendment rights to take part in very vital and important parts of one's school development that is abhorrent. One of the leading new paradigms that's coming out in the world of addiction science and, and pharmacology is this concept that addiction isn't a disease. This has been one, you know, the popular since the 80s, you know, the disease model of drug addiction, which I've always thought was kind of dumb because you can catch diseases or you're born with diseases, right? Like it didn't really fit to me that it was a disease and I never liked the 10, the 12 step stuff where, you know, we're powerless over this and we give up all power. That always seemed to me a recipe for disaster to not think you have the power to control your destiny. But now people are starting these leading researchers are starting to see addiction as not any sort of, you know, chemical issue that your brain's been hijacked or anything like that. And the point they make is that, you know, thousands of people go into the hospital every year for broken hips or legs or big problems and they get administered morphine or worse fentanyl, you know, heavy duty opioids. So how come all those people, if again, drugs are supposedly these chemical hooks that hijack your brain, how is it that those people don't all end up addicted? Now some do, but how come they don't end up addicted in much greater numbers? And yet the people that use something that's pharmacologically similar, heroin, end up addicted in greater numbers. Well, it's because the people that have access to the, the, the fentanyls and the, and the hydrocodones and Vicodins, all that kind of stuff, those people have generally better lives, jobs, health insurance, houses, incomes, net worth. And the people who have the access to the heroin generally don't have those things in as great abundance. It's not the chemical itself because heroin, oxy, fentanyl, very chemically similar, very pharmacologically similar. It's the circumstances in which the people taking those drugs have to take them. It's the old rat park model. You can get these rats addicted to heroin or cocaine when all they got is a steel cage and nothing else to do, but you give them a nice rat park cage with female rats and wheels to run on and things to do and play on and such, and they don't get addicted to heroin as much or cocaine as much. So this new model is this model that's 
pointing out that addiction is really more a symptom of human disconnection. It's more a symptom of lacking belonging and meaning in a, in a social context. So what do we do then in our schools to deal with the kid who might be becoming disconnected and thereby turns to drugs? Well, if he slips and does turn to drugs, let's make sure he can't be on the chess team or on the volleyball team or in the band or, or drive his uh, car to school or anything like that. Let's make sure we punish him and isolate him as much as possible. That ought to help. We do precisely the opposite of what we ought to do. <laughs> Drug testing is only going to make the Randall Pink Floyds, my dazed and confused reference there, make them not want to play high school football. It's going to make these kids want to disconnect for fear they get caught. And this is good news coming out of, you know, uh, out of Wisconsin that they're going to reject this blanket random drug testing for all students, but it just sounds like they're just holding off on it to me. I don't know. I, I, I really hope that as marijuana becomes more and more legalized across this country and more people recognize that it is an acceptable and preferable alternative to alcohol, that we can begin to attack this drug testing monster and, and largely, really, all we've got to do is attack the marijuana drug testing. And, th and the thing is, our opponents know that. Marijuana is the drug by far. It's like every other drug test has failed for marijuana. It is by far the grist that keeps this drug war mill, this part of the drug war mill running. And that if marijuana were no longer subject to drug testing, lots and lots of these companies would lose a lot of money. There's money in this, this drug testing. That's what's really involved here. We're not concerned about people's safety. Hell, if we were, we would be alcohol testing a lot more than we are. No, it's about these companies that can make money through the continued vilification for no good reason of cannabis consumers, this whole industry dedicated to detecting us, to finding us, and then using that information to discriminate against us. And it's going to be harder and harder for these drug testing proponents to keep pointing at federal illegality. It's going to work for a while. But after eight states now and one-fifth of the U.S. population live somewhere where it is perfectly legal to smoke weed, it becomes harder and harder morally to justify discriminating against people for that act. And it's going to be especially hard for them if they try to do this a la the tobacco model. Well, secondhand smoke is so bad for everybody. When the science is going to show secondhand marijuana smoke is not that bad for people. Oh, well, tobacco uh, leads to, uh, you know, people getting sick. And so that'll be massive health care costs for the company. Not so with cannabis. Cannabis doesn't seem to lead. In fact, seems to be leading to people having healthier lives, lower body mass index, less incidence of Alzheimer's, less incidence of diabetes. 
So that argument's not going to fly. Well, it, it reduces productivity. Well, we're not seeing that. Productivity has been uh, on a per worker per hour basis has been climbing in the United States since the 1970s, even though the wages haven't. The productivity sure has, even as more states are legalized, even as more people are smoking pot. So they're not going to have the safety issue. They're not going to have the 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 secondhand smoke issue with other people. They're not going to have the productivity issue. They're not going to have the illness and absenteeism issue. How are they going to justify continuing to discriminate against us? And, and folks, we really need to hammer this home and turn this into an equal rights argument. To me, treat marijuana like alcohol wasn't a call for two substances to be treated the same. It was a call for their users to be treated the same. No more separate but equal. No more discriminating against us and keeping us out of the best jobs and refusing us the scholarships and taking away our opportunities just because we had the sense to pick something safer to get a buzz on. See, I had some more grievances, didn't I? (laughs) Oh, happy Festivus, everyone. Happy, happy holidays to you christmas begins on sunday so or christmas is sunday and hanukkah begins on sunday so happy holidays to you all be back right after this a festivus for the rest of us this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com We don't limit how much you smoke, and we don't limit where you listen. Cannabis Radio is now on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. While the feds and state are doing their dance, you still need to transact business and manage your cash. Go professional and let your customers pay with PayQuick. They pay you, and they earn rewards points. PayQuick connects to your bank account for free and secures all of your transactions. And with PayQuick, you can pay your producers and processors for free. Plus, it pays to have it because it makes depositing your cash safe and so easy. No cops, no crooks, just compliance and comfort, knowing you have your cannabis business in check with PayQuick. PayQuick, the safe and easy way to pay. P-A-Y-Q-W-I-C-K dot com. Normal stands for responsible adult cannabis use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Okay, maybe you're high, too. When you are starting up a medical cannabis business, you want a fired-up lawyer who understands the needs of cannabis consumers. The Law Office of Lauren Vasquez is your fired-up lawyer for the cannabis industry. Visit her website, fireduplawyer.com, or call 1-855-MMJ-LAWS for more information. That's 855-665-5297 for Lauren Vasquez, your fired-up lawyer, or email fireduplawyer at gmail.com. 
Remember, friends, there's more to life than marijuana. I just can't remember what it is. Why'd I come in here? You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Right, welcome back, everybody. Just closing up shop here for the end of this week and reminding you that next week we got more shows, but not on Monday. Monday is the federal Christmas Day holiday, and as you know, I take all federal holidays off except the one dedicated to the rapist, torturing, genocidal murderer Christopher Columbus. I don't take that one off, but uh, the rest of them I do. And uh, that means I'll be off on Monday. And also, getting ready for next Sunday, next Sunday, New Year's Day, means that next Monday will also be a day off because that's the New Year's federal holiday. Well, I'll be celebrating the Packers making the playoffs after defeating the Lions at home. (laughs) I'm looking too far ahead. We got the Vikings to play tomorrow. And in that realm, uh, I've got my brother coming over. I got my brother coming over. He's... uh, going to join me we're going to have a packers bacon breakfast and uh yeah we call it bacon breakfast we have bacon with like a side of eggs and pancakes <laughs> but the main course is bacon as it should be uh quick notes uh from the world of marijuana uh we will have uh many more guests on the show coming up next week and for 2017 and uh first gig in 2017 last week of january i'll be out in richmond virginia at the Virginia Normal Conference, so stay tuned for details on that. Next week, we're going to be taking a look at the states uh, that have legalized marijuana and, of course, our retrospectives for 2016. What a year it's been. I got to say, aside from eight states passing marijuana reforms, eight out of nine, aside from that, 2016 pretty much sucked, didn't it? (laughs) What a terrible, terrible year. But in the marijuana world, turned out pretty good. We'll take a look back at the election. We'll take a look at the uh, states that have legalized. Give you a rundown on what is exactly legal in these various states. And a look forward to which states may be pursuing medical marijuana and marijuana legalization in 2018. We already heard from Dan Veets earlier today that Missouri is moving forward on medical marijuana for 2018. Michigan, the MI legalized people, they're working on a statewide legalization initiative for 2018 some people would counsel these groups to wait until 2020 to wait until the presidential election when uh, there's better turnout but you know i think that day is past i think we're you know so far up in the uh in the polls these days that it's really not necessary to have to wait for that uh that presidential election i think you can do it in a midterm election i also think that uh We should strike while the iron's hot. I said the same thing in 2014 with Oregon. They tried to talk us into waiting till 2016. I said, no, strike while the iron's hot. You never know what bad things could happen. You never know how the political pendulum could swing. Get what you can get as quick as you can get it. So uh, we'll be covering those campaigns as we move forward into 2018. Well, that song means that it's all the time we got today. Time flies when you legalize, folks. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com and Delta 9 Studios in beautiful legal Potland, Oregon, I'm Radical Russ. Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa. uh, uh, Celebratory Yule. (laughs) Whatever it is you might be celebrating or nothing at all. Thanks for joining us. 
You can always make a Christmas donation to the show through PayPal at Russ at RadicalRuss.com. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seat, you're planning, you're growing, you're trying.